0: I'd like to speak to you about a network of 72,000 channel ways in your body. In Kriya Yoga, they tell you that your physical body is being supported by a ring of light around the physical body, which is called the causal body. So imagine your physical body and then a very subtle ring of energy around it. That causal body is what gives life to the physical body. However, between the outer ring and your physical body, that light has to have some canals to travel through. So if Heinrich's body right now is surrounded by almost semi-invisible ring of energy, that energy has to go into Heinrich's cells and molecules to recharge them. If there are no canals to carry that energy, then the energy can't go through. Those canals are called nadis. So you have 72,000 of them in a human body. Out of those 72,000, seven of them are like major power plants called chakras. So when you talk about chakras, they're part of the system of 72,000 channels. And these nadis are mostly clogged for a person who hasn't become cleansed. What can clog a nadi? Anything from a cigarette or a glass of whiskey to your stepmother who used to be mean to you to being a Chinese man who was holding his his emotions inside. Anything can clog a nadi. Anything that is different from well being, joy, and you understanding that you are made in the image of God. In other words, if Heinrich has any self image other than God, then his nadis are clogged. Because, you know, in the Vedantas, um, they have a student asking, What is the purpose of this life? And the Vedantas would say, Mahrit has to understand with her last exhalation that she is the same as this. As long as she hasn't reached this understanding, the nadis are clogged. But in addition to that, cigarette, whiskey, pornography, your mother-in-law was mean to you, so you're holding anger, or you're not eating the right kind of food. So we'll talk about Ayurveda, which divides the human bodies into three types of bodies. And so you should be eating food that suits your type of body. That body type is called a dosha. We'll talk about that also. Every time you take a Kriya Yoga breath, you are cleansing your channels, your nadis. So when I ask you to breathe up your spine, you are unclogging the nadis. Every time you take soft breaths here, you are unclogging the pipes. It's exactly like the plumbing system of a house. Same concept. If your nadis are clogged, you're going to suffocate. Suffocate in a pranic sense. It means that you are surrounded by the God force. The God force is trying to enter you the same way way that sunshine tries to enter a leaf. You see, if this leaf doesn't have a leaf surface, then the sunshine cannot enter it and for photosynthesis to happen. So we need a surface for the sunshine to come in. Your nadis have the same role. If your nadis are clogged, you're suffocating. Suffocating from what? The prana, the life force, cannot circulate inside you. What happens? You become depressed or you lose your power. You know, it's like somebody has a great voice and you ask them to go and do an audition at an opera house, but they're like this. They've lost their power. Or all your emotions are stuck in you. Or a woman cannot get in touch with her masculine side. Because, you know, you have women managing 500 men in some industrial complexes. So it has nothing to do with being a woman or a man. It's being in touch with your power. I mean, if you want to be a success, the main variable in success is that you get in touch with your own belly button and get in touch with your own power. After that, we have advertising, promotion, uh, accounting, finance, and all of that. But if you want to be a CEO, you've got to know who you are and go into the firm and take control. If you're too insecure internally, you're being choked off. Anyways, um, what the Kriya Yoga breaths do, they magnetize these channels. So when a breath comes into the third eye, it introduces an electromagnetic wave, which is in line with the God force. In the Vedantas, they hint that God has some composition of electromagnetism. So God is not electromagnetism. What I'm saying is an electromagnetic energy comes off of the God force. This is why if you go to a salt desert with lots of salt, your meditation will become extremely deep. If you go to certain spots on earth There are like five or six spots, like Machu Picchu. There are spots or Lake Tahoe where there's a lot of electromagnetic energy. And when people meditate there, they go very, very deep. It's not according to me, it's according to thousands of people who visited. One time I was walking on a salt lake in Iran. It was a dry salt lake. I just had this feeling of being sucked in because a salt lake is what used to be the bottom of the sea. And all of the salt of that sea had gone down. So we have areas in Iran that used to be seas and now they're dry. So all of that salt has gone down. There's a lot of electromagnetism there. Now, in terms of you opening up these passages, You have no choice but to become the highest self that you can. In other words, you forgive the mother-in-law, gradually you get rid of the cigarettes, gradually uh, you have sex with one partner that you love, gradually you have to do all this. Except my approach is, if you're dying to have a beer right now, I say go have it. Because if you don't have the beer, and I tell you not to have the beer, Then you're going to hear this word, no. Then you're going to form a defense system against me. But my advice to you, do your Kriya Yoga and all of the rest of the stuff will fall away from you. So if Constance grew up in a culture where they used to be very cruel to girls, I say, continue your practice and that samskara would would somehow just drop away after a while. How? I can't get into details, because each of you drop your samskaras in different ways. All I can tell you is, I don't even remember who I was when I was 25. I remember him, but a lot of stuff has just dropped away. It happens very naturally. The other thing that the advanced students say, they say, Kambis, as we progress on this path, it seems that we're expending less and less energy. So if you Stockholm ladies, remember your first year, uh, you were trying and you were talking to Julie and you were doing Odyssey 1 and Odyssey 2. And then nowadays, once in a while, you go into very deep meditation, almost seamlessly. So what you're going to notice is as you become more advanced, um, you're not expending as much energy in order to achieve more. It's the example I gave you with the rocket ship. It burns 80% of its fuel to get out of the Earth's gravity. And then it gets easier for it to travel. Because there's there's this feeling of weightlessness. There's no resistance like that. Once kundalini awakens within you, uh, kundalini is a kind of vibration. So this vibration starts to go through your 72,000 nadis, and it just cleanses. How do you crush a kidney stone? The way they crush a kidney stone, they bombard the kidney stone with high vibration sound. Same thing with Kriya Yoga. Every time you breathe a Kriya Yoga breath, you're taking a high vibration energy into this system of canals called nadis. And you're crushing the kidney stone so that the passageway becomes clear. Right now that river is flowing. It means that the prana is flowing in it. But if we put some branches on there, then there's no flow. And then the river gets sick and then the water starts to smell and then mosquitoes lay eggs in it. Same concept. When a guru gives you Shaktipat, the guru is introducing a very high vibration into your body. You might feel it as heat, you might sense it as light, or you might feel it as vibration. Or you may suddenly go empty. So I touch you here, and a busy mind just goes, nothing. Any of those things can happen. When I'm saying the the mantras om, there's a vibration in that, and it's actually penetrating your nadis. So the next time I om, I want you to visualize uh, pipes in your body, and take in my om, and imagine that this om is unclogging your plumbing system let it go through you and what the om does it actually unclogs the nadis basically a guru gives you uh, energy through several ways one is they look deep into your eyes second they send you a prayer i mean i could be on the other side of the house and send you a prayer sometimes they. They touch you in terms of a very, very light touch. So I've asked all the people who have pain, if you want me to just touch you like this, then we'll set up some time for me just to give you some energy with the heat of my palm. Touch is another one. Then another one is sound mantra. A guru will circulate a particular mantra inside himself, for years and years and years so the ohm you hear from me has been circulating in me since 1982 continuously it's like fine wine you know if you if you put fine wine in a cellar since 1921 it's going to become very fine if i've been oming internally since 1982 and then I come close to your ear, and I say, Oh, Kriya, Babaji, Nama, Oh. It goes into your inner ear. Have any of you so far on this retreat felt like my voice went inside you? Okay? That's the vibration. And it's because it's been circulating in me for a long, long time. The mantra is om kriya babaji nama om kriya babaji is the founder of kriya yoga when your vibrational frequency goes up you lose track of physical substances like many of you know that i'm oming from this direction towards you but many of you are hearing the om behind you Marielle was just telling me in the kitchen few days ago, she was saying that the direction of the OM may change. Although it's very clear that I'm saying it from here to there, she might hear it from behind her. Because when you're in deep meditation, you lose physical locality. This is why a real guru can reach you long distance. Or if you ever have a dream, and the dream is extremely clear, Uh, It's different from a normal night's dream. This type of dream is very vivid and your body actually gets hot and you may get up at 3 a.m. and start meditating. That kind of a dream is a guru coming to you because you're less defensive when you're sleeping. So often a guru will send you a prayer at night when you're about to go to sleep. And the prayer waits until you're totally relaxed. And then the vibration enters you when you're completely asleep. But the the effect on you will be like the most vivid dream. You've like all the colors are extremely vivid. And you might even feel me like touching one of your chakras. And then your body will react. So I've had several students who say, Our spinal column got very, very hot and then suddenly we rose and went into three hours of prayer. That's not a dream. That's me saying hello to you because you're off guard. The Guru is always trying to find you off guard. Yesterday, Sissy went extremely deep. If you notice this five-day retreat, you're all taking turns. Yesterday afternoon was Sissy's turn. When I touched you in the heart, that was your turn. You know, Heinrich is beginning to go deeper. What's happening to Aide, actually, she went, she went to a different level yesterday because her turning and swirling is now beginning to quiet down. Uh, the extreme physical reactions are actually beginning stage to intermediate. As you start to enter advance, you don't have extreme physical reactions anymore. Why? Because that swirling may actually keep you from getting to the deepest of the meditations. Like in Samadhi, you're just an empty tube, there's nothing inside you. You're like the sky, there's no emotion, no ribs, no lungs, nothing. So, um, 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 except you're exploding with love. So the highest stages of meditation, there's no body, there's no personality, there's no name, there's no emotion. All of this business of talking about our experiences, that becomes ridiculous after samadhi. Because there is no Maria left to tell us what happened. You become the same as the sky. So there's no Maria looking at the sky. You become this land. All of the grass starts to breathe inside you. Imagine suddenly me doing this and you become completely at one with this piece of property. In other words, every frog, every fish, every cloud is breathing inside you instantaneously. There is no Heinrich watching the property. It's called lack of duality. The duck, Heinrich, the tree, the stream, it all just becomes I was in it for eight and a half hours. You just become a pulse and there's not two of you. Nothing is two. Uh, The feeling of love is overwhelming. Imagine Heinrich is taking an early morning walk here and suddenly he's swallowed in by this entire landscape. He doesn't go underground. He starts breathing with the farm. The feeling of love is overwhelming because for the first time in his life, he realizes there is no Heinrich versus eight billion other people. It's just one pulse. So instantly, the feeling of fear is lost forever because if he's the same as the man interviewing him, then there's no fear. It's just one pulse he can keep his wits about him and say the right things in the interview, that's superficial. In a more profound sense, the man interviewing him is the same as him. So therefore, the fear is gone. It's like you become, it's like your heart opens, and you go to the uh, train station in Paris. It's like everybody seems familiar. So then you can easily talk to people. This is something that's happened to me. I walk around, not in an intrusive way, but I just talk to people as if they know me. I don't do it too often, but when I do, it's as if they know me already. So then they immediately relax because there's no period of, you know, hello, sir, what is your name? This and that. When the Nadi's open up, you feel some of the following feelings. You wake up in the morning. And you're in love with the day. Like we have windows here. You open the window first thing in the morning. You see the fog over the grass. And it's not scenery. The fog is talking to you. The grass is talking to you. The property is breathing. Everything is breathing inside you. When you wake up like that, you're in love with the day. You're not in love with any particular person, you're in love with the day. So how many of you had had one moment of just waking up and you're in love with the day? It's a very good sign. When you're just in love with being alive, that is a sign of kundalini moving. Because kundalini is life. Prior to that, things have to be right. Right clothes, right car, right salary. There's a wish list. Your husband has made profound changes since that first answer, Because nowadays, he has moments of just laying back and enjoying the family and life. Before, he was under pressure for performance. You know? Like that. You can see. So what are the symptoms you just you're very happy to be alive not scared of dying you are just happy to be alive and you're in love with this there's no other wish list in a sense you become very simple other symptoms there are movements of energy in your body like a buzz or like energy Uh, if Lorraine is in the same building with me, she cannot fall asleep. So she'll go through four days of Santa Barbara because we're in the same premises. She won't sleep. It's not irritability, it's just buzzing energy through the body. And it's not Kambis Nafisi. It's beyond Kambis Nafisi. It's a primal energy that's another sign. Movement in your body, heat, vibration, electricity, where I touch Jibin's head and and the head disappears. A feeling of expandedness, laughter, uncontrollable laughter, tears. The tears are from gratefulness. You had them in Stockholm last time. It's a tear of gratefulness because you meet a huge energy field and you realize that's your soul. You actually meet a presence. It's a presence. Uh, let's talk about Ayurveda very briefly and what kind of food is good for you. We have three body types, uh, Pita, Vata, Kapha. Each of you is a combination of two of those. Pita is the type of person who wakes up at 4.30 a.m., is a super achiever, very ambitious, Typically high blood pressure, uh, red cheeks, real organizer, much smarter than the colleagues that he works with, so he has a tough time delegating. So Henry Ford, the first one, did not like delegating. When the labor unions came, he was pissed off, he wanted to be chief, but you know, Big accomplishments, lots of energy. So, pita, hot tempered, ambitious, gets up early in the morning, typically high blood pressure, rosy cheeks, walks fast, talks fast, thinks fast. A pita needs to have calming food yogurt, watermelon, ice cream. A wife that says, darling, relax, everything is fine. Or (laughs) a husband. Pitas don't like to travel much because changing scenery agitates them. You need to give them, if you're married to a pita, you need to give them predictable, comfortable surroundings. Their meals have to be served on time. They get very agitated if they get hungry or sleepless. You need to give them a controlled environment because they can build 200 companies, but you have to make things comfortable for them. Like an executive assistant to a PITA needs to be a very centered, calming, organized person. You notice a lot of CEOs have very centered executive assistants. You know, they organize the Google Calendar, They design the spreadsheets. All the numbers are ready. They just give them a report. So the guy can make his 200 companies or the woman. So calming foods, cool foods. Worst thing, alcohol, cigarette, Mexican food, chili peppers, hot sauce, uh, coffee. Uh, The problem is a pita can walk into this kitchen in the middle of a retreat and have two coffees. You know why? Because the pita is so used to high adrenaline that they get addicted to adrenaline. So a lot of pitas drink coffee. And they don't know that they're burning out their nervous system. Okay, the next one, vata. I'm a vata. Vatas have small bones. They're like birds. They're very good with languages. They're eloquent with speaking. Uh, they like literature, they are emotional, and they go up and down. They're moody. Uh, they're mostly artistic rather than purely rational. Uh, vatas, like Markhita has one vata as vein, vatas are like kites. So you give them a meditation, they're like... So if you don't, if you don't anchor Markhita down... She'll just take off. So, vatas are very airy. They need a wife or a husband who's very grounded. So, for a vata, the worst thing is a wife or a husband who's also very moody. So, for example, if two poets get married to each other, it's a disaster. It's like, oh, darling, what did I say? Did I bother you? It's like, no, 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 I'm just a little sensitive, right? Right? You know, when I was studying poetry, I met poets who had married each other. So they were both moody together, and there was nobody to center them. So, Avata needs a non artist, a non moody person. Somebody says, Don't worry. I'm going to handle it. Same as a Pita. A Pita is, <coughs> Avata is artistic. So, you have to center them. Their moods can create incredible art. A good example is Yves Saint Laurent and the lover. Berger was an organizer. I think he he was an ex-industrialist. So he knew business. He knew organization. He didn't do as much drugs. Yves Saint Laurent was highly artistic, but he would get into deep depression. So Monsieur Berger knew... First of all, he loved them deeply. He also knew how to handle these moods so that Yves Saint Laurent wouldn't destroy himself. So, Avata is very airy. So, if you feed Marguerite three days of continuous lettuce, cucumber, ice cream, then she's going to get even more airy she needs i mean she meaning anybody who has i don't know if your vata is dominant or not if it's dominant you don't take vatas to cold climates they have like three blankets on top of them they get cold fast because they're bony they don't have fat so you keep them warm Uh, cold foods like yogurt uh, cucumber uh, celery lettuce these things are bad. You give them pasta, you give them potatoes, you give them chicken, corn flakes. Things that have fiber is good for vatas. You must be partially vata. I'm looking at your bone structures. Now you were telling me that your kapha vata was it? You telling me? I are Pita. You're Pita. Pita vata. But you were telling me how airy you can get spiritually, that's typically a sign of vata. Uh, They're like kites, you know, you have to anchor them down. Here is kapha, 12.30 pm, it's like, oh my god, life is so hard, I have to get up so early in the morning. A kapha is like Santa Claus, they're kind, they have oily skin, very soft eyes, Babies and animals love them. They have big bones, very patient, slow decision makers. They hate aerobics class. They hate traveling. A Kafa needs a manager. As a spouse, kaffas love managers. Like, get up. We're going to aerobics class. You know, Here's your cup of coffee. They like coffee because it wakes them up you know and then once you get them exercising they like it because kafas can fall asleep and they get very depressed uh, Kafas get depressed from their heavy energy for example Avata actually likes humidity when I go to Sri Lanka <laughs> Sri Lanka is like this when you get off the air literally you're hit it's like Dubai you're hit by a wall of humidity that makes me laugh I love it. It just softens my skin. Because also, vatas have very dry skin. No matter how much cream I put on, my skin is always semi cracked. We need to drink a lot of water, the vatas. Our skin is very dry. Uh, The kafa has very oily skin, soft, soft eyes. Uh, Kafas are extremely kind people. Children love to have kafas around them. Because they're they're loving, and they're patient, and they're huggy, and they're big, so it's nice to hug them. Anyways, a, a kafa, you need to give them food that's that's kind of peppery, hot, caffeine. Um, the worst thing for a kafa is meat and potatoes. You know, fatty steak with potatoes and sour cream on top. He'll go to sleep for six hours immediately. <laughs> so now he, we were talking about nadis. It's important for you to know your body type if you want to unclog the nadis. If you're a kafa you have to force yourself to move. And it's good to have a boss who's a mover. You'll know vatas. Vatas, like I look at Maria, uh, Marielle, in a good way, is emotional she also has small bones you know she can express herself well i can't see you sleeping until 11:30 a.m it's not the right kind of constitution for that and if you look at her skin it's not oily uh, people have their own poison so a lot of pitas drink lots of coffee they get addicted to being high ayurveda says Here's what's good for you, but it's not necessarily what you're having right now. You know, if you've never felt deep, deep centeredness, then you might not know what it is. When I went to Fairfield, Iowa, in two years of meditating, uh, I experienced things that I had never experienced in my life. So, like, let's say we talk about living in the present moment. And you say, yeah, I just heard one bird. So I must be very present, right? But, but then on the fifth day, you're hearing the bird and the stream and your breathing and your heartbeat at the same time. They say, oh, now I know what it's like. And of course, there's no limit. So uh, you might be feeling certain levels of meditation this time around that are new to you. And then I'll tell you there's no limit. I mean, if we were to do a 10-day workshop, you would go even deeper. There's no ceiling to this. So this is something to pay attention to. You may have been in spirituality for the past six years, but there are still things that you haven't directly experienced. What I'm saying is a pita who has always drank coffee doesn't even know what centeredness is until they work on themselves and then a year later they say oh my god it's like my decision making is so much more clear now i'm not barking at people in the office anymore i'm more patient in traffic